I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorahgmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many as I can. Do you know it is 52 degrees outside? And not even a week ago, it was single digits. It is unbelievable. Weather is just amazing. The Hanukkah season is behind us. I hope everybody had a wonderful Hanukkah. Mine was beautiful. Thank you for asking. Um, We were in New Jersey, and I I just had a great time. Got to deal with my children. Got to sit around. Got to have a good time. And we actually spent a lot of time. Oh, I can see. That's great. Um... I got to spend time with my children, and we actually talked about uh, this week's Torah portion, and I had my way of explaining, they had their way of explaining, and actually, uh, we're going to talk about some of those things that my my children, my son-in-laws brought up. Really, really great stuff, but of course, before we get into all that great stuff, um, to all my dedicated listeners, I know you guys love the show, and I need your help. Tell the show spread, I need you to go to my homepage, hit that donate button, leave your name, I'll give you a shout out, memory of, happy birthday, and of course, in advance, I do thank you. So let's get back into the story. So the brothers were forced to bring Benjamin, Benjamin down to Egypt to meet Joseph. And Joseph sets him up. He puts his silver magic goblet into Benjamin's bag. The brothers leave town thinking everything is fine. Uh, Joseph sends his army after the brothers. And they search the bags. And sure enough, there's Joseph's cup. And the brothers have to turn around and come back to Egypt to deal with Joseph. So one of the questions we were talking about um, over the weekend was why didn't the brothers realize that Joseph is, is sitting right here? Like, it just opened your eyes. The story is, is strange that the brothers shouldn't have realized. Now, I always explained, and I told my son-in-law this, um, I always understood, and I teach my class this, that because the brothers thought that Joseph must have been a slave, the last place in the world that their brother possibly could be is sitting on the throne. So therefore, the brain doesn't allow them to believe that this is Joseph. He may look like them. Um, He's not an Egyptian. All the things that he's asking the brothers to do seem strange. So they perhaps could have figured it out, but they weren't looking for him there. Uh, my son-in-law said to me that if you d- read the verses, and there are some uh, midrashim that seem to to say like this, that 
the brothers come into town the first time, and they're told, you want food, you got to, for the first time, first time uh, food buyers, not first time homeowners, but first time food buyers have to go meet the new viceroy. He was a slave for like, you know, 10 years, and and then, uh, and his name is Joseph, and... So this, I because again, the verses make it sound like his name is Joseph. That's what the verse says about him. While I said that the Torah just doesn't want to go ahead and uh, start telling me his Egyptian name. We know he's Joseph, so therefore we refer to him as Joseph. My class asked me this a hundred times. I said the Torah is going to tell me what his real name is. It doesn't mean the brothers or the people in Egypt referred to him as Joseph. But my son-in-law said that they referred to him as Joseph. That everyone said he was a slave. And he came from, he's not an Egyptian. So if you're, if you're understanding like that, then it's really wild because how could it be? Like all the arrows are pointing to the fact that this got the name, was a slave, not from here. Like everything put together, like how could you even imagine that it's not your brother? Like what are you thinking? So my son-in-law said a very interesting answer similar to what i said but but even but like taking it a step further joseph has dreams and the dreams clearly meant that he was going to be king the brothers cannot accept that joseph is going to be king that is anti everything they believed so even though all the arrows point to the fact that the guy sitting here is your brother he's got the right name he looks like you he was a slave. He's not from here. Everything points to the fact that this is your brother Joseph. So why don't you believe it's your brother? Because you can't. You cannot believe it's Joseph. Because to believe it's Joseph means everything you believed in is wrong. You believed the whole time there's no way he could be king. And now he's king. You refuse to believe that. That's how my son-in-law who's taking it a step further than the way I explain the Torah portion, that's how he's explaining it. And again, he wants Binyamin. Why does he want Binyamin? Like, who cares? Why does he need to see the brother? Like, well, the whole thing doesn't make sense. Um, but if you think about it, right? If you think about it, it's really fascinating. Because that means the brothers are stubborn. Right? The brothers are set in their ways. This is what they believe. They're not willing to open up their mind to any explanation that doesn't jive with what they want to believe. They refuse to believe that their brother could become king. Therefore, it can't be him. I just told you they didn't expect him to be there. But according to this explanation, there's a a stubbornness that the brothers refuse to believe that this is Joseph. It can't be because we've decided our brother can't be king Therefore, he cannot be king. That's a tremendous stubbornness. And I think it happens to a lot of us all the time. We're set in our ways. We're set in what we would like the world to be. We're set in our ways with what's fear, what's not fear, what should be, what shouldn't be. We're set. We, we refuse to open our minds to any other possibility. And as first we decide this is the life I'm leading, This is how I'm living my life. This is what I want to believe. This is the God I believe in, the God I believe in. 
allows me to do ABC. And that's how we live our life. And the brothers are now in for a rude awakening that you've gone ahead and you've already painted the picture of what life is and therefore everything has to fit into the picture that you've created. And that's wild, right? Because you are not willing to actually open your eyes. And this is not a good example at all. Um, I saw a sign, I think there's a new Van Gogh show in the DIA. And if you've ever seen his paintings, they're a little wild, right? They're wild. And I'm sure there are people that understand everything he was trying to say, but, and I'm not one of those people. But if you think about it, maybe that's what he was trying to do, right? Just open up your minds. Nothing makes sense in the picture. Okay, good. If nothing makes sense, then let's recalibrate. Let's relook at the picture. And what am I seeing? Without all my preconceived notions, right? His name is Joseph. He was a slave. He's not from here. Maybe he's your brother. No, 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 it can't be. So you see, all, then all you see is a blurry, jumbled picture. Take a step back and say, hey, just ask a simple question. Are you, are you Joseph? Are you our brother? Just say it. And that will take care of all the issues that the brothers are having. The same thing when we go through life. Everything is jumbled. Everything is blurry. Nothing makes sense because we've decided what the world is supposed to look like. And if the world doesn't fit into what we want it to look like, now everything doesn't make sense. Maybe take a step back and say, what's going on? What gives? Right? It's amazing. It's really, really a powerful, amazing thought. The brothers are stubborn. They pay for it. But you know what? We're no better. We are just as stubborn because we've already decided um, that we have all the answers, that we know what's right, that we know what's wrong, that we can dictate um, how God works, and therefore it must be. Maybe it doesn't must be. I've got to open our minds. Okay. With that, with the fact that the brothers, okay, right? like think about this, right? The brothers are suffering terribly. They make, they make their father, Jacob, suffer. Right? The brothers are going crazy over here. You know why they're going crazy? Because they refuse to believe that the guy sitting on the chair is their brother Joseph. If they would open their minds and just ask a simple question. Something doesn't make sense here, guys. What's going on? Maybe it is our brother. And then all the questions will be answered. Because when Joseph actually tells the brothers, I'm Joseph, the verse says that everyone's quiet. They can't answer. They're confused because they didn't want to believe it's Joseph. But if they would have believed from the beginning it was Joseph, they all the suffering they went through never would have happened. That's something that's just massively powerful. But let's, okay, with all that being said, the fact of the matter is Joseph is making them suffer, like over-the-top suffering, right? Just like, one thing after another. He takes the brothers. He throws them in jail. He accuses them of being spies. Um, he says, none of you are going home. We'll let one go home and bring the brother back. Okay, now I'm going to be nice to you. Even though you guys aren't nice to your brother, but I'm going to be nice to you. And I'm going to let you all go home. I'm going to keep one guy back. Simon, I'm going to keep him back. Um, 
as my uh, guarantee, we'll let you go back. And he's asking for the one thing he knows that that Jacob's not letting. You got to bring Benjamin down. And they all come down. And now, and they find the money in their bag. Oh, the money, I don't know how your money got there. <laughs> Somebody gave you a present. And like, he's playing with him, right? He, he's totally playing with him. And then they come back down. And then all of a sudden we're best friends. And we're having a whole party together. And we're drinking wine together. And I don't even charge you for the grain. And now I send you back. And oh, your brother is a thief. Now you got to all come back. And now we're going to fight it out. And, and you all want to be slaves. I don't want you all to be slaves. I only want Benjamin for a slave. And the rest of you can go home because I'm a nice guy. Right? They're going crazy. They are going out of their mind. Until Joseph finally says... And the verse says he was going to make him suffer longer, right? Judah's threatening to make a war. Joseph says, bring it on. I'm just as strong as you are. And, and, and the verse says Joseph can't handle it. He can't handle allowing the brothers to keep suffering, but he wanted them to suffer longer. He, it says he couldn't hold himself back, but if he could have held himself back, he would have made the brothers suffer a little bit, not a lot, but he would have made the brothers suffer a little bit longer. So the obvious question has to be, like, what's going on over here? Is Joseph playing God? And it's God's job that if I do something wrong, then uh, then 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 God punishes me. Punish, punish me in this world, punish me in the next world, but it's job, it's God's job to punish. And to prove this, Later on, after Jacob dies, the brothers all come down and they make up a story that uh, our father said, you should forgive us and you shouldn't uh, bear a grudge and you should be nice to us. And Joseph is busy trying to prove to the brothers, he says, I love you guys. I, I'm not going to punish you. Me? Who am I to punish you? If God wants to punish you, God will punish you. But that's, that's got nothing to do with me. So clearly Joseph doesn't play God to punish the brothers. So then if later on in the next week's story portion that Joseph is saying, I don't punish, you think I'm God? Then what's, why is he making them suffer over here? He wants to test them. Will they stand up for their brother, for a child of Rachel? Because that way, because Joseph needs to know the brothers going to kill him when they realize he's really Joseph. If the brothers can love a child of Rachel, then Joseph's got a chance at least. At least that much he has. But um, but all the extra suffering he causes on the brothers, like what gives? Like if you're not, if we see in the next week's story portion at the end of Joseph's life, that Joseph doesn't play, well, after Jacob is passed away, after Jacob uh, dies, Joseph will still live another 45-ish or so years. But but, uh, but Joseph seems to be playing God. What gives? So very, very interesting. Very interesting. It says that um, there's Rabbeinu B'chaya. Rabbeinu B'chaya says that the ten martyrs, they're called, twice a year we read about the ten great um, Talmudic scholars, the um, like Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel and 
uh, there's a whole list. There were, there were 10 great sages that were killed by the Romans. Now, they were killed over a 60-year period, but there's a famous piece of poetry that we read on Tishabov and on Yom Kippur that makes the story as if all 10 were executed like pretty much at the same time. So it was really over a 60-year period. But again, it's just a use of poetry to bring out a point that there were these 10 martyrs that were killed. And in the poetry, it clearly says that that the Roman Caesar ushers in these 10 great uh, scholars, these 10 great sages, and he fills up a room with shoes. And he says, don't lie to me. Right? Don't play games with me. But what's the law? What does your Torah say that if you kidnap someone and you sell him or her, right, what's the punishment? So he said, okay, the Torah says very clearly, you, you're put to death. So the Caesar says, and what happened to your ancestors? The ten brothers sold Joseph. No one ever punished them. Well, I, the great Caesar, will right this tremendous wrong, and I will take revenge. I'm going to play God, and I'm going to execute you ten great sages because no one's ever been around as great as you, and that will take care of this, uh, of this, um, what's what I'm looking for? Not tragedy. Whatever the word I'm looking for, I'm sure you can think of it yourself. I will take care, I will play God, and I will execute you. And he kills them. Okay, again, it's poetic. But Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says the reason why the Jewish people had to bear this tremendous loss was because, it's true, the brothers were never punished for selling Joseph. So you see that in the sale of Joseph, the Jewish people are going to have to suffer. And Joseph knows this. And Joseph says, we got two choices. We could let history run its course, and then our descendants are just going to have tremendous, terrible suffering because of this story. Or, if the brothers suffer enough now, and it's a little bit Joseph is playing God, he's not looking to punish the brothers. He's looking to protect the future generations from being punished because of this story. So therefore, Joseph goes ahead and he has the brothers suffer and that will protect the future generations of the Jewish people. Now, me and you don't get to say, that, well, you know, you did something wrong and I want to protect your descendants from being punished. We, we don't get to do that. We cannot play God. But actually, um, in this week's Torah portion and last week's Torah portion, that really is exactly what Joseph is doing. He is playing God. But he's protecting us, he's protecting future generations by having the brothers suffer now. And the verse says, but Joseph couldn't hold himself back. He couldn't handle watching his brothers suffer anymore. And therefore, at the end, we're still, we still end up being punished by having those ten great sages, like Rabbi Akiva, dying, being killed. So that 
Joseph, he, he just couldn't handle it. But obviously, there would have really been way, way more suffering that Joseph was able to protect us. Okay, great. So very interesting. Um, if you if you ever have the opportunity, and hopefully many of you listening do have the opportunity to open up a chumash, open up a Bible and read the words, not just once, not a one-time storybook, but the more you read it and you get into the language, if you can read Hebrew, even better. If you can't read Hebrew, at least see the English. But the more you watch the language, there's things that happen. There's specific words used over and over, and there's a reason for it. Happens to be that both Joseph and Jacob use the same words. In last week's story portion, Joseph says, Zos asu, do this and live because I fear God. What did Joseph want them to do? He said, instead of um, all of you staying in jail and one, one brother going up to get Benjamin, I'm going to let you all go home and you'll bring food for your starving families. Do this. And the language of the verse is, do this and live. I fear God. Do this and live. I fear God. Jacob, in the end of last week's story portion, when uh, he sees he has no choice and he must send Benjamin down with the brothers, so Jacob says to the brothers, Zeus Asu, same words, do this. Take from the Zimras Haaretz, take from the praise of the land, he sends a gift, a food package with all kinds of spices and, and honey and pistachios and other stuff. Um, so the question is why? Why, what's the... What are we seeing? What's the message that both Jacob and Joseph use the same words in speaking to the brothers? Okay, so listen to this great story. Some man goes to the shin of a Rebbe and he asks for help. He needs uh, something with uh, livelihood. He's really suffering, making, uh, making ends meet, and he can't put food on the table. And he asks the Rebbe for a blessing, and the Rebbe gives him the blessing, but Nothing happens. No miracle. The guy continues to suffer. A different time, a student also asks for help in earning, earning a living and livelihood. He needs money. He needs food on his table. And a miracle happens, and, and uh, he can support his family. So the man comes back to the Shiva Rebbe, I don't understand. I asked for help, and your student asked for help. You gave us both the same blessing. The blessing comes true for your student, but the blessing doesn't come true for me. What gives? So the wealthy man says, let me explain. Explain with a parable. There was a merchant, he goes and he purchases uh, a whole bunch of stuff from a wholesaler, and he's one of his big customers, and when he gets onto his wagon, he sees the wheels are starting to scrape. So uh, he goes to the merchant and he says, you know, I need some grease on my, on my axle, otherwise I'm afraid my, my wagon will break. So the, the merchant says, no problem, um, we'll bring your wagon around back, I'll have some of my servants grease up your, your axle and your wheels. Somebody who saw what happened brings in his wagon and says to the merchant, uh, can you grease my wheels? 
I know you greased wheels for the merchant. Can you grease my wheels? And the merchant says, well, what do you think? I'm, I'm, you think I'm a mechanic? You think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wagon uh, uh, fixer? Go, go find somebody else to fix your wheels. So I don't understand. You did it for the merchant. Why don't you do it for me? So the, so the wholesaler says, what are you, a fool? This merchant is one of my biggest customers. If he needs a favor to get his wheels greased, I'll grease his wheels. You, all you're asking for is grease on the wheels. So the Shinnah Rebbe said, that's exactly what you're doing over here. He says, you're asking for the grease. You're not my student. You don't uh, abide by everything I say. You don't study by me. All you want is the grease. You want that uh, livelihood. doesn't work so good. While my student, he really takes everything that I say and he runs with it and he does what I tell him to do and he studies and he's a scholar. He needs some grease. Okay, he needs some grease. I'll give him some grease. That's really what was going on with Jacob and Joseph. When they're talking to their brothers, what do they say? When they turn to the brothers, what do they say? They say, do this. Joseph says, make sure you understand what's the main thing and what's secondary. Do this and live, fear God. Everything else, yeah, yeah you need food for your families. That's going to come along. That, that's uh, part of the ride. Jacob says, do this, take from the praise of the land. Praise, the word smiros, is the word we use when we sing on Shabbos and praise God. Right? Jacob is also telling his, his children, you're going down to Egypt because we don't have any food in the house and, and everyone's going to starve. But make sure you don't confuse the main part and what's secondary. The main thing is praise God. Listen to God, do what God says. And then the food that you need for your family, that will come along for the ride. Right? Make sure you recognize what's most important and what's not important. So that's the lesson that's coming from what Jacob and Joseph, when they use the same phrase of do this, of Zosasu, they're both giving over the same message. It's a message for us, for us as well, right? That's the message that the brothers are supposed to be giving over. That's what they're giving over to the brothers. Do this and you'll live, right? Fear God, praise God. Okay, you need to eat, right? Don't be like the fool in the story, right, who thinks he can walk into the merchant and say, can you have your servants grease up my wheels basically for free, but I, I don't do anything else for you. Okay, clearly I have a few more seconds. So, um, so what happens is very fascinating. Um... So the brothers, when they go up to Jacob and they have to tell Jacob what happened, that Joseph is alive, so they go. They don't want to shock him. He'll have a heart attack. So they go to the granddaughter. Her name is Sarah Pazasher. They tell her, you know, play your fiddle, play ukulele, sing a song, and uh, inform your grandfather, Jacob, that his son Joseph is still alive. And she does. And Jacob comes out, and he's so happy. Jacob comes out, he's so happy that he hears that his 
son Joseph is alive. He thought he's been dead for 22 years, been crying for 22 years. So he's so happy, he gives her a blessing. And basically, because of that blessing, she doesn't die. So I asked my class, I said, so she doesn't die, so where is she? Where is this 3,000-year-old lady? But we're going to have to get back to this another time because the music is playing, and I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, all, all our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have Alan in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast, and until next time, don't forget to think about it.